Hello and welcome to Talking Baseball. We have the most special of guests today, my brother, Jeff Passan, formerly of Syracuse University. Let's do it. Hello and welcome to Talking Baseball. We are on the last week of John Boy's paternity leave as he has brought human life into this world. Trevor Plouffe is just AWOL. Um, he's, no, he's actually, Jeff, you're going to like this. Um, he has now befriended the Stafford family, uh, Matt Stafford, the quarterback uh, for the Rams. Uh, so he is in San Francisco. He posted a picture with Gabe Kapler over the weekend, and he's going to the Monday Night Football game tonight. So he's uh, he's basically he's the celebrity of talking baseball has gone to his head, unlike myself. But Jeff, you're here, and now we can finally talk. How are you? Is is like the last fifteen minutes just gone forever? Yeah. Like we were. T- so that was nothing. That wasn't live. I, I'm sorry. I just assumed we were streaming. Jeff. I don't know how this works. I'm a professional. Uh, we are peers, and if you were live, I'm going to tell you you're live. I'm not just going to put a mic in front of you and try to get you. That's not who I am. I'm just. It is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean. I mean, I mean, you literally did that at the winter meetings in 2019. You ran okay. off the microphone and said, hey, want to talk? I'm going to give you this T-shirt with Ham Porter on it. Let's chat. Okay. So let's check out a couple things here. Is that all true? Yes. Um, but, I, I mean, I was holding a microphone and there was a camera there. So that was a little different. Well, you're in front of a microphone right now, and there's a camera on me. It's the exact same thing. Well, uh, an electric start to the program. Uh, <laughs> the last couple minutes before this were very cordial. We were actually talking about our friendship uh, slash enemyship, I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah. Jeff, before you broke know. a little news, um, Erod free agency. I want to talk all about it. Uh, before we talk about that, I want to talk to you about my ED problems in Roman. Um, sometimes, sometimes guys don't have their best fastball. You know what I'm saying? I don't. Well, Jeff, uh, 52% of guys 40 through 70 experience some form of ED. And here, we are Get Roman people. You have to go to GetRoman.com. Slash talking, talk to a U.S. licensed healthcare professional, and they'll get you fifteen dollars off your first month of treatment. You know, if you're you're going to a new city, you're Erod. You know, you want to have your, you want to be pumping ninety four. You don't want to be throwing that that soft eighty seven. <laughs> Go to getroman.com slash talking today. If you're prescribed, you get fifteen dollars off your first month of ED treatment. Make sure you have the confidence to be Roman ready. When you take the bump in Detroit, uh, hold on, hold on. Can we do this for? A, can we talk about this for a second? Yeah. So you were prepping me yeah. as to what this is going to be like. Yeah. And you said we're just gonna have some ad reads. Yeah. 
They didn't tell me it was going to be a boner read in the middle of the Eduardo Rodriguez signing. I mean, in a way, it's not a boner read. Um, <laughs> well, the two, in my experience, the two are very much tied together. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> this honestly, this is very much how my morning went. Um, <laughs> hey, we're getting rid of the stigma, Jeff. This is this can help people. That's what we do here. Um, are you back? Are you okay? I'm probably lost for the rest okay. of the Okay, that's perfect. That's perfect. That's how the show works. Um, Jeff, we get the notification. Everyone has their Jeff Pass and notifications on. Sorry. Erod to the Tigers, five years, uh, 77. You had to the 80. There's some kickers there and stuff, but... More importantly, Erod just turned down the qualifying offer, I'm guessing, because this was kind of coming through the pipeline, apparently. And, I don't know, very exciting news for Tigers fans. It, all the rumors had been around the Correa Hinch reunion, and will they go for it this offseason? What are they going to do? And it seems like they made a little bit of a announcement to the dance. It was a good splash for the Tigers, and I think they probably went a year longer than most people would have liked to have gone. And I think they may have bumped the AAV up slightly. I thought it was going to be four for 60. Uh, I ended up at five for 77 with an opt-out after two. And let's remember, Eduardo Rodriguez is only 28 years old. So I think the structure of that contract is going to be really interesting. If it is a backloaded deal then maybe he stays away from the option if he doesn't think he can get that. But it's clear that the Tigers, with their young starting pitching, with Spencer Torkelson and Riley Green on to come up, and they're probably going to both arrive this year. Like, this is, this is a team that's got a chance to be something. And there's not a whole lot there on the offensive side of the ball right now. I, I just don't know how many of the guys they have around uh, even from last year, is still going to be there three years down the road. Uh, there, there's not a bunch of core foundational pieces, but you can go get those. And when you have Scooble and Manning and Mize and now Rodriguez as well, I mean, that's a that's a really good quartet of young starting pitchers. What do you think, I guess, heavy Tigers talk early? I mean, do, does this make them – Full players this offseason. Is this the start of five dominoes? Is this, um, do we think they're done with starting pitching? Because like you're saying, those four, I mean, you know, four pretty young quality pitchers. Everyone's been doing, you You live on the social media. I mean, people want the Verlander reunion. People want the Correa Hinch reunion. Is all that on the table or are we, are the Twitter hands going a little too far where Detroit's an organization and they're going to go out and get the the best fits for them. I don't think that the Verlander Correa thing is all that real. Now I may be getting lied to, so <laughs> that's a possibility, but I think Verlander probably ends up in a larger market with a, a team that uh, is, is potentially near and dear to your heart. Um, really? Correa, Correa, I don't know at this point. And, you know, there, there was a lot of uh, consternation, let's say, in uh, in Yankee Twitter land when I suggested that 
the Correa Yankees fit uh, probably isn't great. I could see someone like Trevor Story winding up in Detroit potentially. Uh, I, I don't think I don't think they're done. Uh, right. I'm not going to say that they're trying to go from like third or you know I think they won 77 games this year. I don't know if they're trying to go from third to first. I don't know if they're going to be right there with the White Sox this year. And I think Chicago is still a pretty significant favorite. That that whole division though, you know the the Twins have an off year every few years and then come back. I still think that the core there is good. Kansas City, uh, you know, once Bobby Witt Jr., Nick Prado, and MJ Melendez come up, uh, I think they're going to spend a little this offseason too. Like, that's a team you could see contending. Cleveland always has enough pitching. It's just a question of uh, is the offense going to be there? Uh, the AL Central, you know, we're not talking like the Comedy Central anymore. Like, I think that they have a chance in the coming years, all five of the teams, frankly, to be pretty good. Yeah, I mean, the the Royals, they made some moves last year that got everyone excited, and you're right. I mean, Bobby Witt Jr. train, when that leaves the station, I, he's going to be oh, one yes. of the real ones. Yeah, yeah, board. Yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting to see where the Tigers land because uh, I'm with, like, they're going to make moves, but, you know, to picture them, we'll see where the Correa bidding war lands. Um, and I guess we could we could talk. Uh, you you alluded to something with Justin Verlander, and we'll see. I mean, as as a Yankees fan, uh, when you read that there's a former Cy Young pitcher working out at Cressy's place, uh, we've we've done this. We've 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 lived this. Um, I guess for Verlander. You know, you can talk yourself in any sort of circles. It's it's an older pitcher coming off TJ. Uh, it's also, you know, his last time pitching, he won the Cy Young, and if anyone has one of those Clemens, Nolan Ryan, you know, guys that twirled it into their mid-40s, uh, ours is Justin Verlander. So, is the next step for him, is it is it ring chasing? Is it wanting spotlight? Is it proving he can do it? Is Is it all that in the pot? I think it's a little bit of everything. And the, the thing with ring chasing in baseball, it's, it's not like Odell Beckham going to sign with the Rams, who were probably the most talented team in football. You can go sign with the most talented team in baseball and still have at best what, a 15, 20% chance going into any given season that you're going to be the one who comes out on top. I mean, even like the most overwhelming favorites really are not overwhelming favorites when it comes to winning a championship. So I think New York appeals to Justin Verlander for all the, the reasons you would imagine, because he likes the big city. He likes the intense atmosphere. He likes the fact that the Yankees could and should be good coming into the season. He likes the fact that he would be on a pitching staff with Garrett Cole, with whom he uh, thrived down in Houston. I mean, there, there are all kinds of things that make sense for Justin Verlander to go to the New York Yankees. Now the question is, are they going to be the ones who pony up and are they going to pay what he wants? And is, is he going to get a multi-year deal? And if so, is that multi-year deal for Justin Verlander with uh, a dollar figure that's you know not something you typically are going to be handing out to a guy who hasn't thrown a pitch in a year. I mean, like a really long time. Yeah. Like we're, we're coming up on well over a year and a half at this point. I mean, I think it's going to be 
I don't even know. I, it, what year is it? Like, I don't remember anymore. It's just been a long freaking time since Verlander's thrown a competitive pitch. And what, when you account for that and the fact that if the Yankees signed him, they would lose their second-round draft pick and $500,000 in international money, uh, or maybe a million in international money, I think. It's, it's, a, like, it's a lot. And uh, is it worth it? And, and I, like I asked that to, to you, someone who roots for this team, uh, is that second round pick and $500,000 in international money worth it to go out and pay Justin Berlander 20 million bucks a year, potentially for multiple years? Yeah, I mean, uh, me me and John did get lost on this on Talking Baseball for a while. And it's, you, you talk yourself in circles, man. I mean... If you sign Justin Verlander for two for 40, which is kind of one of the the internet rumors, you're going to talk yourself into it and you're going to drink the Kool-Aid for a little bit and you'll say, yeah, I mean, it's Cole Verlander Seve come October and and these Yankees, this is going to be awesome. Um, At the same time, like, you know, the Kluber bet was one for 10 and it kind of landed in that range, but it wasn't too much fun along the way outside of the no-hitter. Yeah, that, you know, that, I, I feel like that was then Verlander, was it not? I mean, we had seen the regression of Kluber yeah. stuff before. And I don't think anyone anticipated Corey Kluber was going to go out there blow a 96 because Corey Kluber never did throw 96 even when he was winning Cy Youngs. Verlander, on the other hand, is a power pitcher. Yeah. I mean, he's a guy who has premium stuff. And, uh, you know, the scouts who saw him at his showcase walked away saying, yeah, the the shit's still there. Like, he's still got good stuff. And, I mean, that that's the guy you can slot in at the top of your rotation and feel a lot more comfortable, I think, than you did with Corey Kluber there at the beginning of last year. Yeah. it's uh, If Justin Verlander ends up on the Yankees, I will be ecstatic. If he ends up on another team, I'm going to tell myself he's going to suck. Um, fandom. Uh, Jeff, you're... I don't know if it was your last article but it was the you think teams are going to rush to get stuff done before the December 1 deadline and we could talk some CBA stuff we are as we are the world's number 1 CBA podcast in the world um do you <laughs> firm firm head shake no on that uh what's uh is that going to happen are we going to see are we going to be coming up to you know, November 29th, and we're going to see teams really trying to get it done. Who's who's more incentivized, the the the, the player or the teams? Because baseball's so weird, man. It feels like there's been this soft handshake, like, yeah, we're going to lock out for a little bit, and then we'll see you in February. What is that? That's nothing. So what, what should we expect in the next couple weeks? Is there going to be a little bit of a mad dash? I think there's going to be some action, but I also think that that players are are going to try and use this as leverage, just as clubs are going to try and do the same. And it's going to be interesting to see how it breaks in terms of which side is likelier to fold. I mean, it, here's here's the reality: if I were a baseball player, I know myself that I would want to know where I'm going before February comes around. I, that, that's just how I best operate. You know, if I can plan things out, if I can schedule things, if I can make sure to go get a house where I'm going to be living, if, if I can do all uh, of just the necessary elements of adulting, um, it's hard to do those on the fly 
and to adjust to a new team. And that's what you're essentially asking players who don't sign before December 1st to go out and do. Now, some guys are comfortable with that. And, and that's great because they may have a lot of leverage when there are teams that on the cusp of spring training do not have their rosters filled out and feel like, well, I, I don't want to be the one left with no chair when the music stops here. On the other hand, there's the reality that if you are one of those guys who wants to sign before December 1st, then teams might try to squeeze you. And you have to be comfortable enough with yourself and with the market to understand that if I don't sign before December 1st, it's not the end of the world, but maybe it's important enough for me to try and go out and do so. And it's not just Eduardo Rodriguez, and it's not just going to be Verlander and Syndergaard. I mean, those are names that are going to go this week. Um, you know, the question is, is it going to be guys like Seager or Simeon or Scherzer or Robbie Ray? Um, you know, Stephen Matz, I think, is going to be one of the guys who goes. Like, there, there are going to be a number of significant free agent signings before the potential lockout. Um, I just don't know how significant they're going to be and if we're going to see some of those nine-figure guys go beforehand. Yeah, it's a uh, such a silly sport, man. Uh, <laughs> the fact that that's that it's one of the topic of conversations, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of intrigued by it because there's been the school of thought that hey, uh, you know, put a winter meetings deadline in place for free agents just to see if you can juice the market a little bit early so that free agency doesn't stretch until like the, the eve of spring training. This is almost like a real-life test case of that to see where it goes. And, you know, talking with executives at the GM meetings, they were essentially saying, hey, we're going to players and we're acting like this is right around where the winter meetings would normally be. That's where we are in our process. We've accelerated things. And let's remember, the winter meetings last time uh, on back-to-back-to-back days we had Steven Strasburg, Garrett Cole, Anthony Rendon sign. That was a yeah. crazy winter meetings, and it was awesome, except for when you walked behind me on the live shot, well, which was pretty douchey. But yeah. that being said, that being said, if we could have something else like, oh, did I just get a side eye? I mean, you called me a hard yeah. D, uh, which brings us back to another Roman ad. No. Um, <laughs> I don't. I I thought we were past that. That was funny. Uh, no, no, we're never gonna be past. We're never that. gonna I mean, be past I'm that. Give, I will give you grief about that okay. forever. Okay, that's when fine. little Jake. When little Jake baby comes around, mm. uh, yeah, kids gonna kids gonna. I'm just gonna be. No, that would be weird if I texted the kid. I'm not gonna do that. Okay, we can. We'll figure out the logistics of that. Uh, that winter meetings, that winter meetings was fun. And I forget, I, it was either you or the great Michael K that I originally heard it suggested that they do an early free agent signing period. You do a little gap and then you do a later free agent signing period, which, you know, I, 
I think baseball's been looking for their way. You know, the NFL has the NFL draft, and it is its own sport. <laughs> it's its its own world. Uh, NBA, the second that free agency deadline hits, you've got people chasing people in cars, and it's it's rumor mill, and who's who's on the jet? Uh, that's the old, uh, was it Chris Broussard who was chasing uh, DeAndre Jordan? Something like that. Something crazy. But... Uh, that could be baseball's version Where if you got a two weeks jam pack of signings And then you got to talk about it for a month And then another four weeks or whatever Yeah, like I'm I'm down with that theoretically The The problem I have is the reason the NBA's market I think works the way that it does Is because teams know how much money they have to spend In baseball, there's, there's no floor right. There's no cap So when you don't have any idea of how much teams want to spend what teams want to do is just sit back and wait. Like they, they have found that waiting tends to get them the best deals. And so are we going to have one of those things where even though we want a bunch of signings at the beginning, that's just not going to be a reality because teams understand that trying to pit guys against each other with a, a finite amount of time left before a, a deadline, or maybe even not even a deadline, but just the beginning of spring training is enough to to get better terms on a contract. Yeah. Yeah, and that's uh everything in this sport <laughs> because of the divide uh gets turned into leverage, which uh is one of those weird you become an adult, you get a career in baseball and you're like, "Oh wow." Yeah. So that's how this works. It's not they don't just cater to 13-year-old Jake's fantasy team. Um which by the way, the T-ball and Trojans, they were good. Um, Jeff, I uh, so I have another read. I'll, I guess I'll pray. It's for dugout mugs, so there's no wiener stuff. Um, oh, not the listen, way I, do I have doubt that you could make a dugout mugs read about wieners if you really wanted to. So we actually had a situation like that during the postseason. I can't. I don't even want to say the line. It's so gross. Uh, <laughs> but dugout mugs uh, are fantastic. I got a bunch on the desk. They got the metal bat now. They've got the wooden ones that you guys are familiar with. Uh, they're running their Black Friday stuff now. They're saying they're telling everyone they're going to sell out, which is really real peacock Call stuff. Call the shot. Uh, dugoutmugs.com. Code JOHNBOY, 30% off. It's the perfect gift. It's, I mean, it is baseball. It is baseball. Got the Cubs one here. Ian Happ, whatever. Got some of the Braves out. World Series stuff. Uh, code JOHNBOY, 30% off. Dugoutmugs.com. Uh, go check them out. No penis stuff. Um, what, <laughs> Joe? I wanna I wanna zoom out to a a team view of free agency a little bit. Um, because normally there's you come into free agency and there's a couple sexy teams making their way. Everyone's always pissed at the Yankees, the Dodgers, etc. You know, people want Seattle to be big movers and shakers this year. People are wondering if like the Texas Rangers are ever gonna make their franchise appealing. Are who who are some of those teams that maybe aren't the standard big boys that are really throwing their weight around this year? And maybe maybe it's started with the Tigers today. Yeah, I think it's the Tigers, the Rangers, and the Mariners. I think really. Yeah, I think you pretty much nailed it there. Ran, yeah. Rangers Rangers are going to be aggressive. Mariners are going to be aggressive, but the question is whether it's going to be via trade or in free agency. Maybe both. I mean, they've, you know, they've been linked to 
some big names on the free agent market. Marcus Simeon is certainly one of them. I think the other teams to look out for, just like with Toronto count in there? Yes, and they. I, I always catch myself spinning because people, a couple people I've talked to, they're like, you got to be scared about Toronto. Um, and I am, obviously. The, the, the young core of that team is, is, is horrifying, but there's still a chance they're going to lose the Cy Young winner from this year, and Marcus Simeon, who had an otherworldly season. So I assume one of them ends up back there, but I know they have money to spend, and as we've seen with Ryu uh, and kind of Simeon last year, Springer, like they will go the extra mile because they kind of have to. Yeah, I I think the Jays are going to be very active. They were in on Eduardo Rodriguez too. Okay. Uh, do the Angels count, or just because they're a big market and they sign a bunch of guys? No, to... they count. I mean, it's the uh, I'll hype another ESPN article. I I I forget which one it was. I think it was one of the baseball five by five things or whatever it was. But you know, the Angels it, it literally is a joke of the industry about their pitching, and I I feel bad. We we have a lot of. Proud Angel fans in here that get mad at us when we reference it, but then I see an ESPN article where they're making the same jokes, and I'm like, well, that's get mad at the front office. So, like, are they in in my head, and BBD actually planted this seed in my head, Cy Young winning Robbie Ray to the Angels just makes so much sense in my head. Uh, but you could see Strom, and you could see so many of the other guys. So, yeah, I guess they have to be players. They're, they're going to be, I think they're going to be players on guys who are going this week, too. So okay. it's going to be interesting to see, you know, could they land a Verlander? Could they land a Syndergaard? Uh, you know, are they going to be in that type of territory? And it's interesting just because with, with the Angels, they're in the same boat as the Yankees. You know, that I was asking a couple of guys this week, how much is that second-round pick value? Right. So you can you can look at the five hundred thousand dollars in international money. It is not valued at five hundred thousand dollars. There's a multi million dollar valuation on that, just because the return on investment in Latin America tends to be disproportionately better than anywhere in baseball. Better than the amateur draft. Certainly better than free agency. Uh, you know, better than minor league rule five, whatever it is. Uh, international, you get typically the highest return on investment. Um, but that the second round pick, teams assign value of anywhere between six and ten million dollars on it, even though the the bonus is going to be only for a million and change, if that. So uh, it's like Steve Cohen said, you know, there's a reason that his his tweet is in a lawsuit right now, <laughs> that that players who you get in the draft are worth about five times what you pay for them, and so. If you're looking at Noah Syndergaard on a one-year deal, then uh, you are paying the salary plus whatever you value that second-round pick or third-round pick, depending on which team you are at. And so it's going to be very interesting to see uh, if he leaves the Mets and if so, where he goes and how much he gets paid. And I guess that's the other – I got a little jazzed up this morning. Whoa. Um, a lo- a the, the <laughs> popped a popped a Roman, threw it in my dugout mug. Um, ad businessman. The big teams are in it, man. Like, yeah. I I saw a post this morning that was like, "This is supposed to be the Mets' big year," and I was like, "Damn, like that's kind of true, right? Like they 
They said last year that, you know, they weren't going all in. But, I mean, Jeff, if they lose Strowman, and it sounds like Syndergaard, everything you're alluding to is that he's going to turn down the qualifying offer and hit free agency. I I mean, it it depends on on what the offers are out there. But the way the the market has gone, if Eduardo Rodriguez is getting 15-plus, is someone going to be willing to put, you know, 20 out there for no Syndergaard? Yeah, I... I think that's a possibility, certainly. So I guess I guess that's what I'm I'm a lot of the big teams who are normally in it. I mean, the Dodgers aren't getting talked about in free agency, but they they are always around. The Yankees, oh. I I think Cashman shook Steinbrenner's hand and said, "Hey, we're gonna stay under again, but you gotta let us be the Yankees for at least two years." Yeah, I, I do you mean stay under this upcoming year? No. Okay, I was gonna say they're not saying that. No, year. I think they stayed under this year because you yeah. know they all the COVID stuff. The Yankees, their family yeah. owns the Yankees, not an oil tycoon. Blah blah blah. But like you're saying with the Blue Jays, the Tigers are in the mix. Like the big boys are in, and I think the Mets I, are too. But it you gave was, me a little head shake. I don't know. Red Sox, uh, that's an interesting one too. Like they need a starting pitcher. Uh, they'd like to bring back Kyle Schwarber. Kyle Schwarber is a, a fascinating guy for me. I'm genuinely curious to see where he winds up and how much he gets because he he reminds me. And tell me if this this comp works at all. He reminds me of Daniel Murphy in that a guy a guy who always was seen as a hitter and was was good but was not great. Finally, comes into his own and just starts hitting bombs in the playoffs and. Is feeling himself, and he, you know, he can play first base, he can play left field. Like there, there's just a Daniel Murphy vibe to Schwarber right now. And I, as much as I think Boston does want him back, Tristan Cassis is like yeah. here, and Bobby Dalbeck, Bobby Dalbeck hit the ball really hard. I know that hitting the ball hard doesn't always translate <laughs> to excellent play, but it. You know, one tends to portend the other. So I, I just don't know if if the Red Sox use of the I would think eighteen plus million a year that Schwarber is going to be looking for would be best spent on him when they have who they have and when they have the holes that they have. And, and that's why the the Rodriguez deal was a little bit surprising. I, I didn't think that the Red Sox would necessarily hesitate to go up into the range of, you know, four, four times 15. Uh, it was that five times 15 and a half. That was just too much. The Red Sox obviously scare me from fandom reasons, but also they, they have a pretty good poker face and, and like what you're saying, they have good youth on the way. Um, and you know, we, we'd say it on Trev used to say, give, give Heim some time. And now, they kind of expedited expedited the process a little bit. They were in the mix this year with everyone, so they they are the Boston Red Sox. If they want, they can make a massive splash, and that wouldn't surprise us. Or, like, they could do a couple small things and still be competitive on that timeline. They, uh, no, I have, I have nothing. I mean, I never do, but, like, no. No, I... I don't know. That was a great, a, a great job by you because you managed 
to both say nothing yeah. and not ask a question. Yeah. That's called like show that, business, Jeff. Really impressive. I'm looking at Daniel Murphy's stat page. I think, you know, people might – I think Schwarber gets a little more love because they picture him coming back for that Cubs World Series and he was he was supposed to be a mauler. I mean, Daniel Murphy's 2016-2017. He was <laughs> those, awesome. Those are unreal baseball I, seasons. It was, it was ridiculous those couple of years. And uh, Schwarber's younger too. That's the thing. I don't even, I don't think Schwarber's 29 still. Like, I don't think he's 30 yet. So you're still getting, you know, anytime your age starts with a three, all of a sudden you're you're walking around with a cane and eating Metamucil. Um, no, Schwarber's still got a two. So he's hale and hearty and drinking whiskey and mm. hopefully not pounding Romans. The old Jeff Passan. Um yeah, that's me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's I I mean Schwarber is going to be the case study of when you hit free agency cuz he hits it last year and he's all right, you're a guy that kind of doesn't have a position but you might be able to hit. You know, we think you can hit a little bit. And now this year it's wow, this guy's, you know, an o, an OPS mauler. The DH might be across both leagues and he can play a little left field and first if you need it. You like the word mauler, huh? I do, I guess. I don't know. It's not normally a baseball term. It's normally a football no. O-lineman term, but why not? Yeah. Sounds like a wrestling term. Like, sounds like something Jim Ross would talk about. WWE hey, passing mauler. coming out? What? Do we have a passing? I know you're a WWE guy. Oh, yeah. yeah. You and The Rock. Hit him with the uh, passing button, BBD. That's one of my favorite pastimes. Passing. I was just gonna. I was gonna try it myself. That's uh, I asking. Should oh, I make a weird oh. video about you again? Anything? Uh, no. 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 The holidays are coming. They are. Uh. 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 Nothing. Nothing in the pipeline. But I'll think. I'll think on it. Um, Jeff, I hate. I want to talk CBA stuff, and we actually have a fan base that likes that. You're going to think this is a joke. It's not a joke. I'm supposed to do a Manscaped read right now. <laughs> um, there's no other way to say it. Um, <laughs> I mean, Jeff, think about... Your whole audience just We get boners and then we shave around them with Manscaped. Um, winter's... So hard, it broke my chair. You broke your chair? No, it's just, it was one of those where I leaned back so far, and then the, the lever stuck down, and then I was stuck Oh, back. you were back there. I figured it out. Um, well, figure out your downstairs mix-up with the new Lawnmower 4.0. Uh, waterproof, skin safe. Um, you don't, Do you have any grooming tips you want to give to the people, Jeff? I mean, I don't want to... Yeah, just take care of your shit. Honestly, that's all. Like it's it's, it's easy, fellas. That hard thing to do. Like some of the expectations, um, manscaped people. I also, hold on a sec here. Yeah. I've, I've also uh, here's the advice I can give. Okay. I've also been married for coming up on 15 years now, and I think that I think that there are people who who forget. Like you've been married for 15 years, you take it for granted. Can't take it for granted. Can't take anything for granted. Nothing. Get that's, the lawnmower. That's why you got to take 
Take care of your downstairs. Go to Manscaped. Code talking. Buy the Kama Sutra. That's what Jeff did. Get 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com. Promo code talking. 20% off and free shipping. Manscaped, we love them. Thank you. Uh, and Jeff, we're through those. I'm I'm sorry for that. Um, no, you're not. Do you want to talk about getting through 15 years of marriage? You want to talk about CBA? What What are you thinking? I listen. Your show. You tell me. Let's go. Let's go CBA because we uh, honestly, we go. You know, COVID hits, and all the you know we are literally waiting for your updates. Trevor Plouffe is spreading misinformation on the internet. Um, we we tortured him for days about that. Oh no, um, we are we are coming up against it, Jeff. And I know again, like baseball, we almost kind of shrug and bob and hey, this is like you just said, this is a fun experiment for the free agency thing. Or are we not going to have baseball next year? Like, how torturous is this going to be? We haven't had any of the, like, knockout dragout tweets yet. Are those coming? Like, what what's going to happen? The, an impossible question to give you. They're coming. I yeah. think it's point. I that That's sort of been a question that I've been discussing with some of my colleagues, saying, okay, when's it really going to turn ugly? Because they've right. done a pretty pretty decent job of keeping things under wraps. I mean, listen, the phone calls and and the Zoom meetings and the face-to-face stuff, it has been contentious, but it's expected to be contentious. It's collective bargaining. You know, they're looking at the next five years of the sport, trying to figure out what it's going to look like. You've got players on one side who are disillusioned with the the treatment, uh, and you've got a league on the other side that has one and one and one and wants to keep winning. Uh, you have a league that feels like players are paid enough and you have players who feel like they're not getting their proper cut of the revenue pie at this point. And that I think is ultimately what we have to remember. It's going to come down to economics. It always comes down to economics. And when there is an economic problem, there is always a solution. It's just a matter of how many pounds of flesh are you willing to lose in search of that, right? Like they could have a deal tomorrow if the priority was ensuring that baseball is on the field right. in April, 2022, but they don't need to do that at this point because they feel like that deal that they could do right now will be there in April, 2022. And they'll try and extract more on their side in the meantime. I mean, that's what this is. It's a waiting game. It's a leverage game. It's a uh, it's a public spin game. I, I think all of the people who are involved right now, you, you know, we want to talk about it being billionaires versus millionaires. I, I think that's a sort of antediluvian way to look at this. To, to me, it's more about just how strong are the players willing to be and what are they willing to lose? Because I think right now that the owners do not, after going into as much debt as they've taken on during the pandemic, want to lose revenue streams again. And while the players felt it, uh, they didn't feel it quite the same, I think, during the pandemic as the owners did. And because of that, I think they have some leverage on their side that they can use and try and get something out of it. It's just a matter of how much 
are they going to be willing to take to say, hey, let's go play some baseball? Yeah, I guess uh, I haven't fully, fully flushed out that thought that the the owners, it, it's everything on a level. Whether it's that millionaires versus billionaires thing you said, when there's no baseball, the the billionaire side gets hurt more than that. And we, Trevor, yeah, yeah, but, but, but let's like this is this is worth noting. Uh, the billionaire side also made way, <laughs> way more money in the years leading up to the pandemic. Right. So I'm not sitting here talking about biblical losses. There was no such thing. Like, if, if you want to talk about how clubs are breaking even every year, I'm sorry, if teams were breaking even every year, uh, businessmen would not be, like, clawing over one another to try and own these teams. Uh, yeah. Owning a Major League Baseball team is a profitable venture. And when we look at the debt, this is an important thing to note also. It, not all debt is bad debt. We have like this idea of debt for the common person, which is generally not a good thing because you're paying ridiculous amounts of interest on it. Debt for rich people is something that they seek out. Like, that's something that's helpful to them. It's something that quite often enriches them because they can get that cash at lower interest rates because of how much they have, because they can leverage it against their, uh, you know, their asset, which is the baseball team. And that's how areas like Ballpark Village and the Battery and all these places surrounding stadiums get built. They get built on the back of debt that's taken against the teams and then they take that money that they can borrow, build this thing around it, and all of a sudden that's all this money that they don't need to share and put into revenue sharing because it's not direct baseball revenue. Right. And it's the, it's the brilliant coup of owning a baseball team in 2022, the ancillary stuff as much as it is the actual club. And, and we're going to see that more, I think, with gambling going forward too and all of the different things that – uh, clubs do to try and bring you into the ballpark and, and the transformation of a baseball stadium into a casino. I don't know if we're going to go that far, but it wouldn't surprise me if with a struggling club, we see free parking, lower tickets, <laughs> just so they can get you inside that ballpark and have you betting in the geocached area. Pump a little oxygen in there. Yeah, I think. Okay. Is it, doesn't Wrigley have a... A uh, sports gambling thing coming? Did I dream that? Yeah. No, I think they. I think they may be the first, but it, it. This is a. This will be thirty of thirty in no time. Yeah. No, it's uh, it's nuts. Yeah. I mean, just living in New York. I went to Connecticut yeah. this weekend, and sports betting is legal there. Go see Jam in New Jersey. Sports betting legal there. Uh, so the fact that New York, California, the the big boys still aren't. In it, uh, it's going to change so much around sports. It's it's exciting and scary at the same time, a little bit. Yeah, um, I, we're we're working on some stuff there, and and figuring out how it's going to change sports and what it's going to look like is uh, it's an awfully interesting endeavor because I think you have people who are good faith actors in trying to to regulate this the right way, and then you have people who aren't. Who understand how much money is going to be in it, and who are going to look to grab and claw every last dollar they possibly can. And that, you know what? In some cases, that might include the teams. 
That might include the league. And, and when players can't go out and get gambling endorsements or be involved in gambling mm -hmm. in any way whatsoever, you can understand why the union is awfully skeptical about, skeptical about seeing any of this money and recouping these mass riches that could be coming into the game. You know, they, they, they talk about wanting to get uh, their right proportion. Uh, that proportion, uh, it's going to be a lot of money. So if, if Major League Baseball is taking the tack that we're going to pay players the same because we feel like they are fairly compensated right now, you can understand why players are looking at what the revenues are going to be like in baseball and saying, no, 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 we are not paid what we should be, particularly with what's coming. Yeah, that's a uh, man. I don't want to compliment you, Jeff, but um, no, I, I understand why some of our listeners love the CBA stuff because it, it really, I mean, you know, we're. Do Hold on a second. Do your listeners actually love CBA stuff? Dude, like, kind of. I, I, I See, I love that so much because it's fascinating to me. It's, it's fascinating because it's money and it's power and it's leverage and it's all these things that we see in big business and on succession and, and in these areas of our lives where, where none of us uh, or, or a tiny like percentage of us are ever going to get to be involved in something like that. So you almost live vicariously through these big themes that are being played through this sport that you love. And it's infuriating because you might lose games on account of it because you look at them and you say, what are you doing? Why are you toying with us? Are you are you that that self-centered to think that there aren't tens of millions of people around this country who every day invest hours upon hours into your product and you're just going to look at them and say because of what might amount to be a rounding error somewhere hmm. we're going to shut down the sport like that would piss me off. And I think it. I think if if it gets to that point, it will rightly piss a lot of people off. Let's let's remember, Jake. They should play ninety games last year. They played six, and they played sixty only because Rob Manfred had the ability to implement. So the idea that this is all going to go away between the first and fifteenth of February, like everyone thinks, uh, I just want to have my my rightful skepticism in place here. Uh, these two don't play well together. If, if they are in a sandbox, um, they're trying to, to shove sand down one another's throat. It's mm. not just like tossing the sand with the shovels. No, <laughs> trying to, trying to choke someone out on the sand. And it has a chance to get extraordinarily ugly. And because it's as far away as it is, and there's still a lot left to do, uh, I'm just trying to be optimistic that it's not going to get there at this point. But get back to me like mid-January. I, I think we'll have a better sense of where things are at that point. Yeah, and that's I, I think why are people truly do like it uh, besides your drowning people with sand uh, comps. Uh, you know, that gambling window or what you said about, you know, the players, how much money is going to be put into – 
from the gambling world into baseball in the next five I years? I don't know. I, that's that's one of those things that I'm trying to figure out at this point, actually, because we're like we we have to be careful of saying gambling is going to make everyone rich because that's not necessarily the case. I mean, you, you have to wonder what the license is going to cost right. and what what the vig that these companies are going to take. And, and more than that, how's Major League Baseball going to buy customers, right? Like, if, if you're in a state where gambling, sports gambling exists, and you are inside of a ballpark, um, are they going to be able to cut off your ability to go onto other apps and gamble? Like, when you go into a stadium, mm. is the only app you're going to be able to use the one that Major League Baseball or the team provides? And if so, how are you going to incentivize customers to come to that stadium? Are you going to have to give them a little bit of a teaser? Are you going to have to give them an odds boost? Uh, are you going to have to give them a free bet? Uh, you know, how do you do that? And, and the strategy involved there uh, is going to be awfully interesting. And essentially, Major League Baseball trying to figure out how do we get customers gambling on these games in our stadiums. Man, and A, you've got the two kids in the sandbox trying to figure out that money, which I think on the labor side shows how truly difficult it is. Because we sit here and we talk with our buddies and we're like, I don't know, figure out the new playoff format and let's play ball. they got to figure out some real stuff. And if you screw up, it costs you a lot of money. Um, you know, Especially when you look at luxury tax threshold and a couple things that have happened over the, the past couple years. Um I guess, is there anything fun that's going to, at the end of this rainbow, whether it's tomorrow or whether it's February or whether it's the February after that, are we going to hear full-blown rumors about 32 teams? Are we going to hear uh, any anything kind of fun baseball stuff that may come out in the coming months or so? I mean, do you like the game of baseball as it's played right now? <laughs> this feels like this feels like the start of a scary movie. No, I just uh, there. Listen, I love baseball. Uh, I find some of the games and some of the pace to be absolutely interminable. So, okay. uh, I think there will be a pitching clock coming. Okay. I think that's happening. I think it's going to be fifteen seconds for. Uh, when no one's on base and 17 seconds for when their runner's on base, it's going to be like the minor leagues. And I think it's going to shave a bunch of time off of games. And that, that to me matters. Um, I hope, I don't know if this is ever going to happen because I'm not sure the union would agree with it. I hope there is a 11 pitcher limit on rosters. And this is mm. something that probably take a year or two to put into place. The argument's very simple. Um, the I'm not even going to call it the death of the starting pitcher, but the starting pitcher has been severely marginalized as we've recognized third time through the order penalty, uh, just how good relievers have gotten and how premium the stuff is at this point. And I, I think, and, and listen, this may be because I'm an old, but I think starting pitcher matchup is like a real thing. It is. And that in a sport that doesn't have all that many stars, when you have two star starting pitchers going against one another, you want to see them pitch deep into games. You want to see them go a fourth time through the order. You want to see them be like the aces of the past, these superheroes who go out and throw nine innings and 
Uh, I'm not saying we're going to ever be in that place where they're throwing 140 pitches again, but the point is, with an 11-man staff, it emphasizes to starting pitchers that you need to get deeper into games because if you have rules in place about optioning guys up and down, so you can't do that to save your, mm. you know, to to essentially have a new bullpen in there practically every day. Um, the starters are going to know, hey, we need to have seven innings as a reality, not just a far-fetched goal. When you have that in place, you are not going to have pitchers going out there and throwing max effort full tilt on all of their pitches because they know they're going to be somewhere between 80 and 100. No, you're going to have guys who are going to have to take a little bit off their stuff maybe. We're going to have to throw more strikes. You have less uh, stuff uh, in more strikes, you have more guys swinging. You have more guys swinging, you're going to have more balls in play. That takes care of so many of these problems. And, and to me, the idea of having a 15-man pitching staff, uh, excuse me, a 15-man uh, offense and, you know, a bench with six guys on it, and if you have the double hook rule in place where if you take your starter out, you lose your DH2, mm. suddenly we're going to end up with more pinch runners, more pinch hitters, sorts of things at the end of the game that brings some intrigue into it. I, I am I am not a baseball was better back in the 70s and 80s guy. Um, I, I don't necessarily believe that. What I do believe is that baseball players in 2022 are better than they have ever been before, and it's not particularly close. I think they're stronger. I think they're faster. They're more athletic. They know what they're doing. They have uh, this knowledge from the, this wide base of analytics that the game has gifted us but the game has also gone i think in something of a wrong direction because of the analytics and the way that they absolutely above all else worship efficiency and efficiency is good for winning games it's good for individual teams it's bad for the sport and so i, I think all of these things when you put the players out there uh, as good as they are right now in a game that's more conducive to showing off their talents not just seeing a three true outcomes game uh, i think it's a, a complete change in the trajectory of baseball going forward and i'm not saying an 11 man pitching staff is going to bring us to this point of valhalla where everything is great suddenly right. but i think that the intended consequences of it would work and that the unintended consequences would not be so severe to negate the things that go in favor of making that rule change no, there there was a couple moments this World Series and uh, Braves fans uh, turn off your ears or whatever. You've won the World Series, who cares? But back to back World Series starting pitchers, it was Dylan Lee and it was who was the other one? Tucker Davidson. And I, it's obviously not shots fired at them, but you know this is it's it's the world. Uh, the Braves clearly won. <laughs> they did it right. Um, but. The World Series when should be one of the best times of year to bring in outside fans and say, look, at, we've got the best team from here and we've got the best team from here. And they say, okay, so, you know, the kind of the next question is who's the starting pitchers? And right. it, Always, always. Like, that's the, that's the first question. Uh, or it should be, at least. And I don't know. I just I want starting pitchers to have the resonance they once did. Because I don't think there's anything more difficult to do in baseball than go out there and just shove. Like, think about what starting – 
Like, I'm just asking someone who even throws a baseball around regularly or does not. Go out to 60 feet, stand on a mound, have a catcher put a glove right there, and hit that spot. Just once. Just once hit that spot out of 10 throws without the catcher having to move his glove. They do that for 100 pitches every night. And I know they don't always hit their spots, but what pitchers do to me is remarkable. And, and bringing back this idea of, of pride in starting pitching, where a guy reaching 200 innings isn't some reason to go out and celebrate, but is, is actually both healthy and safe for their arm and helpful for the team. I'm not asking you to go back to 300. Uh, <laughs> I'm not asking you to go back to starting every fourth day instead of every fifth day. What I am asking is go deep into the game and save your pen. And, and save your pen because your pen's not very big. You can have five or six guys, and that's enough. That's enough if you don't have guys throwing a third of an inning at a time. I mean, if you don't have the bullpen clown car going into a game and just trying to manage every single little platoon split. I get why they do it. Like it makes sense. It's the efficient way to do things. It's just not the great way to watch it as a fan. Yeah, and I think uh, I heard Wayno talk about it a little bit like it. You know that the phrase in baseball for years is the game adjusts, and the game adjusts, but it it wasn't in a addressing the problem. It was you're yeah. you're a minor league starting pitcher. You know. Save your bullets. Like let's let's get you through seventy five pitches and you're good. It's it it's not. They don't even want guys to be the next Adam Wainwright. They don't. You're not getting trained to become that. Um. And yeah, I'll give you something you can steal for uh, whatever next article you need. But you know, at baseball has been looking for the, you know, the equivalent of NBA where LeBron has the ball in his hands every possession or the starting quarterback. You know it like. That kind of was the starting pitcher. Yeah. I mean, I mean, there is there is one person there is one person on a baseball field who can dictate where every game goes, and that is the man on the mound. And if you have a starting pitcher out there who is capable of going deep into the games, he can control that game. Like it's on him. It, you know, typically when guys are executing and making the right pitches, they're not going to get tagged around very much. If you have guys who are going out there every fifth day and doing it for seven or eight innings at a time, I think the game is better. I think the game is better when you can go out and and say, I know who's going to be on the mound for presumably a long period of time as opposed to, and, and this is, I, I hate saying this, but it is reality. Generally speaking, relievers are failed starters. Yeah. That's typically the way, that's typically the way that it goes. And that doesn't, that doesn't, negate how important relief pitching is like top end top flight relief pitching is a joy to watch because their stuff is better than any starter out there and it's amazing to see them just come in and blow guys away i just don't want that starting in the fourth or fifth inning yeah yeah and i wonder you know that i'd love to see relievers if you can pitch one inning can you pitch two can you pitch three you know we saw that a little this postseason yeah. I mean, we've, we've, we've seen it, and, and I think a, a point you brought up that makes total sense, uh, a lot of it is about how we train guys. And I'm not saying you start at the youth level training them that right. way. I think that I think once they're 16, 17, you know, growth plates have, uh, have closed and uh, they are at their, their man size or at least getting mm-hmm. close to it, 
then let them go and challenge them a little bit. When they get into the minor leagues, you know, don't hold them back. Like, the way baseball development works right now is so backward because they manage scared. They, yeah. they manage expectations for a guy. They manage his innings, his number of starts. I don't mind what some of these clubs are doing, having guys start and come in in the middle of games just to get them that different type of experience. But if you feel like you got a starter, stretch them out. Like, get them ready for what is to come. Because there's not a finite number of, of innings a guy has to pitch. Like, you're not going to be losing major league pitches by stretching them out a little more in the minor leagues. I, I think it's honestly sort of the opposite. I think if you get them ready, if you, not just physically ready, but mentally ready to go deep into games, how tough it is. You know, we have, uh, I was talking with a scout about this. Uh, there was, this was at the GM meetings. There was a scout and an analytics guy. And it was like three guys walk into a bar. Yeah, I was going to say, scout yeah, analytics yeah. guy and Jeff Passan at the bar. That's right. And and seeing seeing the back and forth conversation about this and, and where we agree on things, actually. All three of us, and, and I, I see myself as somewhere in the middle, probably leaning slightly more toward uh, the analytics side, just in terms of, like, I believe in the math, which the, sure. the, scout, the scout acknowledged the math. <laughs> Just thought it was completely full of shit because because he doesn't think that it, it acknowledges the, the difficulty in going out there the fourth time through the order when we have been brought up with the idea that even making it to or going trying to go through the third time through the order is some sort of Sisyphean feat right. where you're just you know you're rolling that ball up the hill and oh no the baseball is just going to come and run you over because. God help us, it's the third time through the order. And you know, with some guys, like, it's actually true. But to be planting that in the next head, or excuse me, to be planting that in the head of the next generation of pitchers, I think is a really dangerous thing psychologically because there are guys who can go out there and crush it third time through. It's just that when you hear how infrequent it is, you're going to start to believe Maybe I'm not one of those guys, or maybe I'm not special, or, uh, you know, who, who knows? And I, I wonder if there's a generation of pitchers right now being raised with the idea that two times through the order, done. Right, and there's a, like, you can, I'll dumb things down to the scout side, that's where I live. You know, practice, if a pitcher has practiced getting through the third time of the order, you can learn from that, and you can oh, grow right. from that, and you set up pitches, and it's just not there. And even and even if you get absolutely shelled, you will still learn from that. I just, you know, I want guys to have an opportunity to fail. Mm. Isn't that where we learn? Isn't that where we figure out who we are, what we need to improve on? When you fail at something, if you don't sit there and look at yourself and ask, what did I do wrong? What can I do better? You weren't going to make it anyway doesn't matter how talented you are. If you don't have the ability to self-reflect in the, um, you know, in the afterlight of failure, then you're going to be lost forever anyway. Man, some economics, some life lessons uh, with <laughs> Brother Jeff. Uh, Jeff, we also we forgot to mention uh, the first free agent signing of this offseason, you re-upping with ESPN. Congratulations hey! to you. Um, nice. 
What uh? Do you have any any big stuff down the pipeline? Anything we should be looking for? I know you. Uh, when you had the the Tatis article coming out, you teased it a couple times. You said you had something big coming. Where uh? What should we be looking forward to from this off season? I got some things percolating. Okay. He said. He said in a serious tone. Um, anything silly you need to get off off your chest in this forum? Any anything you want to pepper me and BBD with? Oh, I don't know. I mean, we only uh, we only covered cubes uh, <laughs> and boners already. So I mean, if there's like if there's anything else you'd like to get off your chest, please by all means hit me. We don't. We don't have nobody has enough time for that. I mean, do you have do you have an ad for tank cream? Like, what are, <laughs> well, it's funny you mentioned that. It's DVD's <laughs> tank cream. No, um, we don't have that yet, but our sales team is working on it. Um, Jeff, I think uh, per usual, I gave you short notice, and you gave us basically a full episode as co-host. So you uh, you continue to be undefeated. Um, and yeah, we talked beforehand, you said, you know, there's a little bit of a Jake Jeff rivalry. Um, I have no problem with that. I, I, you know, we talked about that. I'm a good, easy target. I think we start spinning it to you and Trev. Like, I think you just, you know, you just put out like Trev right now is Wally Pip a little bit. Like you just put it on the table. Yeah. It's not a little bit. Yeah. That's, that's Jeff Passan. Um, (laughs) Jeff. Thank you so much. Uh, truly appreciate it. You've uh, you've been awesome to us from day one, minus the wine thing in the lobby, uh, but that'll be forever. We already talked about that. Um, and as you know, we will be all over your Twitter waiting for the next update. Uh, who uh, Who's next to drop? Verlander? Verlander or Sindergaard, probably. Yeah. Okay. Okay. One of the arms. That's that's what we'll say tonight. And, and remember, we also have like the qualifying offer, right? Accepted. So that's. I mean, doesn't that just go to show when you have hard deadlines in place, action tends to happen. Action happens uh, with Jeff Passan. Breaking news, money, and fashion. Thank you. I tell you to follow him. You already do. Uh, we will be back Wednesday. Jeff won't. He'll be somewhere. Jake's somewhere better. Perfect.